Today, we're excited to talk about one of the topics that I would say is most controversial, most misunderstood, and probably the most divisive in our modern church today. Yeah, and I, today we hope in this podcast to kind of bring a different perspective on what is known as the charismatic movement. You're listening to Folk Theology, where we have conversations with the people of Soundhouse Church about the diversity of beliefs within the Christian faith and how they shape us today. We hope this podcast is fun and informative and a place to discuss topics that might not make it to the pulpit. So this is definitely a topic that, I mean, most people have some experience with, mm-hmm. even if they've never been a part of a charismatic church, whether they've seen it on TV or, or you know, had a friend who's a part of one. Most people have some preconceived notion on this. But Ryan, you actually have uh, personal experience in the charismatic church, right? Yeah, I do. Definitely. Um, you know, I grew up for the most part in a Pentecostal charismatic church in uh, it, it was, uh, uh, we, you know, we, we went from the Catholic church, uh, to, you know, the Pentecostal church. And so as I grew up in it, yeah, I got to experience kind of the full, uh, breath, I would say of the charismatic church or Pentecostal church. And so, you know, I got to experience a lot of different things and, um, and some very, very positive. And then, you know, some that were confusing at, at times or just asking certain question. And, you know, there's a lot of different uh, things that you, if you were ever to be a part of a charismatic church, a friend invites you, or you're a part of one, or it's a, your practice now, um, or uh, seen it on TV, like you had said, Chad, and there are just a lot of different practices. So you would know them kind of by the, um, there's an emphasis on like the speaking, the speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see um, he- healing services conducted through the mm-hmm. laying on of hands, right? Um, you'll see um, a speaking in tongues uh, and then with an interpretation in, okay. the, in, in the congregation. And then you'll prophecies, see prophecy, correct. Yeah, there'll be prophecies. And then, um, yeah, so those are the type of practices you kind of see, which would be considered the spiritual gifts um, coming. Kind of in addition to just like in general, kind of also more charismatic worship in correct. expressive, mm-hmm. right? More expressive, expressive yeah. emotional worship than a non-charismatic church. Correct. Yeah, I mean, even the phrase charismatic charismatic comes from charisma essentially the gifts and so it's it's within the even the language of it and so it's an expressive practice um in um in our spiritual life and incorporating the holy spirit as the movement there is one last probably the the key to it all which um theologically is the baptism of the holy spirit as a separate indwelling of the holy spirit a separate time where you are filled with the Holy Spirit and then the gifts then begin. Yeah. Okay. So for, you know, people of Soundhouse Church listening, uh, we do not hold that view. We also would not be considered charismatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone who's charismatic that just heard that would probably laugh and say, of course not. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, so we, we hold um, that when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, mm-hmm. at that moment, you have an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you from that moment. Um, but the charismatic mm-hmm. church does not. Correct. Yes. And it's a, so it's a separate event. 
a separate process. A se- it's a separate event, and that's changed over time, certain nuances of it, and that's a whole other thing. But And, and would you say that some believers receive the Holy Spirit and some do not? Um, well, it, it, it initially it's based on whether they're the manifestation that you did or the proof or evidence that you received the Holy Spirit is that you would speak in other tongues. So yes, like there's, that's interesting. Yeah. Very different. That, that, that's okay. We're going to go into so this some later. Would say, <laughs> some would say, there's... yes, I didn't receive the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. because I'm not speaking in tongues. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just, <laughs> You're just like, hmm. I'm just so excited to get into what we're getting into today because I, th- I think that that starts to expose Correct. part of the problem is yeah. is not that there's an issue with speaking in tongues. No. But that it just with what you said right there just became a requirement, became a prerequisite for mm-hmm. being a believer and that is not biblical. No. Um it's a perfect definition of folk theology. Somehow yeah. they got picked up. And if you were raised in that church long enough, you yeah. might come to believe that yourself, yeah. even though you can't point to anything in Scripture that says if you are not speaking in tongues, you do not have yeah. salvation. There, there's so many positive influences on Christian culture from the charismatic church that um, it, it, it's very positive. Uh, one of the things I think as growing up in the charismatic church and what I started to see kind of as an insider, I worked for charismatic churches, and so was the terminology I started hearing being used, I was, I just became quite uncomfortable with it, which was, um, we're a spirit filled church. Um, essentially God is very much moving in our church. And you would hear kind of a comparison of like, but we're not like those dead churches. Mm. And that became more of like, if the body is God's body, Christ Mm -hmm. is the head, Mm -hmm. then that one part of the body is only thriving um, and the other parts of the body are dead, it doesn't seem to work with um, the body as a whole working together. Gotcha. So we're like the leprous leg that's kind of just dragging behind. We're the stanky leg. Correct. Soundhouse yes. Church is the stanky leg. Yeah, the gangrene of the body of Christ. <laughs> and so I think that that becomes divisive yeah. and has caused disunity. Um, and I'm not putting it on every charismatic church at all. I would say that there's no. a bit of a voice out there that causes that, though. It does. Now, just once again, speaking to Soundhouse Church, mm-hmm. we feel this personally because we have been called that. Yes. We have had individuals who have been a part of our church that have said, mm-hmm. I, I think the Spirit is, is, is dead here. Yes. That, that the Holy Spirit is not moving here. That, yeah. Um, that God is not moving here. And, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, that hurts. Um, mm-hmm. but it also points, I think, to a glaring lack of education mm-hmm. in what is called pneumatology, you know, theology of the Holy Spirit, and mm-hmm. understanding that role. Um, so I would really love to take today, uh, and actually today we're, we're actually starting a little bit of a series. We're going to yeah. break down some of these individual practices over the next couple of weeks. But today we are doing one thing. Mm-hmm reclaiming mysticism that's yes. the I, I think that should be our title today. it's reclaiming mysticism yeah. now m- mysticism uh w- would simply the most basic definition is that you believe that god is present mm-hmm. and active basically you believe in the ability to commune with god yeah that when you pray you believe there is a god who is hearing this prayer yeah i guess the opposite would be a a, the- a belief called deism uh, deism with a D, which is this belief that God um, 
uh, like this, uh, they always use the illustration of, of, a, of a clockmaker or watchmaker that God created this earth and then checked out. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, he's, he's watching it um, on a flat screen somewhere, just, <laughs> just checked out. That would be the opposite of mysticism. Mysticism is that you believe that God is personal and yeah. active, that yeah. you can have relationship with God is mystic. Yeah. Now, obviously, that sounds very familiar with what we teach from stage. We believe mm-hmm. you have a relationship with God. Um, we believe in exercising that relationship and and growing closer to God, and we believe in prayer and that mm-hmm. God hears your prayer and and all that. So we are mystic, is what I guess I want to say. But yeah. but the issue is that I think the charismatic movement has begun to monopolize mysticism. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and I think too is that um, when something majors on what I we would say minors. Um, then it, it can almost say that uh, when you say monopolized, the reason why I'm kind of wrestling with monopolized, I want to. I do think that there is a um, if these things don't happen mm-hmm. like the way they're happening here, then you're not experiencing God to its his fullest, right? Yes. Um, and so uh, yes, I mean there is something where it feels like a lot of that has been scooped up and said you either come to this camp. Yeah. Um, or you're not experiencing God. And we're saying in this podcast that actually, no, um, we very much believe in like, you know, mysticism. Mm -hmm. We very much believe God's very present and active and works in mysterious ways that that sometimes we don't understand. Um, But yes, yeah, we want to make sure that uh, our church knows that, um, yeah, we're very, very like, Pro, you know, uh, pro God is working, active, and present. He is not a distant God who just said, "Good luck with the book I gave you. We'll <laughs> see you when you're dead." Yeah, yeah. And I think this is a perfect example of of the title of this whole podcast, folk mm-hmm. theology, mm-hmm. because I know myself personally, I have dealt with insecurity sometimes, thinking like, "Man." am I not spiritual enough? Mm-hmm. Am I not mystic enough? Because mm-hmm. I see other Christians who, who have this very expressive form of worship and, and, and the gifts and stuff like that. And I start thinking, man, am I missing out on something? Yeah. And, and what grounds me is when I, when I come back to scripture and when I come back to theology and when I, I don't get caught up in the emotion of other people saying, we have it, you don't. Yeah. That, that's essentially what it is. We have it, you don't. Yeah. When I don't get caught up in that and I come back to theology and scripture, I am reminded of the role of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. the work of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and I'm reminded uh, you know, of, of how I am mystic. Um, and, then I, and then I kind of take a big sigh, a big breath and say, no, uh, mm-hmm. they are worshiping in a different way and they are maybe pursuing... Uh, uh, some gifts that I am not pursuing, yeah. But God is just as personal and real and active in my life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the thing that tends to happen is when it's we're experiencing it in this way and you're not. Every believer, I think, in a way, doesn't want ever to miss out on what God is doing. And I think that's just something about it. But it does create a bit of a, excuse the phrase, a spiritual FOMO, F-O-M-O, fear of missing out, right? Thanks for spelling that on a podcast. Yeah, and there is a bit of that that's like, well, I don't want to miss out. I'm not experiencing it like that, or I'm not seeing those types of things happen. And um, and, and it's a caution to everyone. I love this phrase as you read it throughout a lot of people's throughout 
you know, uh, thousands of years of this discussion is uh, coming to there's a vast majority of people that say I'm cautious, but open. And that's kind of what we want to say is that, you know, I'm cautious. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to look at when it comes to charismatic stuff. But, you know, I'm open to that. I'm not close to like what that God moves on the earth and what God is doing. Yeah. You know, one of our two core values uh, for this podcast, the first is unity over correctness. Yes. Um, And and we'll get that into that probably by the end of this podcast today Mm -hmm. um, is that because that's kind of our, our biggest issue with this whole topic is not that other people worship different than us. We are okay with that. It's that we are kind of tired of being told by charismatic individuals and churches Mm -hmm. that we're missing out on something that Mm -hmm. we don't have the spirit Yeah, because scripturally and theologically we have the spirit and, uh, and in, in application and practice. So, so we'll, we'll look into that. But the second value is liberating Soundhouse church from oppressive theology. And I think that's what this is going to do very well because I think that the insecurity that I have felt at times is, I'm sure, shared by many people in our church. And I want you to be able to look at the charismatic church and say, I see it. I understand what they're doing because of what they believe. And I understand what I'm doing because of what I believe. And I understand mm-hmm. that I still have the spirit. Um, so that you will kind of breathe easy and have confidence in the fact that you do have the Holy Spirit yeah. and how he's working in your life. To do that, we want to do a little bit of education real quick. Mm-hmm. Um on kind of uh, the role of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, and how we kind of got into this this problem. You know, um, one of my favorite theologians is a guy named Daniel Migliori, and uh, he exposed something I think that was really significant. It says, looking throughout the Christian uh, tradition and throughout Christian history, there has been a chronic neglect of pneumatology. Yeah. There has been a chronic neglect of of any sort of um, education or focus on the Holy Spirit. Now, what I thought was really interesting is he, he wrote right here, uh, quoting from one of his books, says, the institutional church has always looked on the experience of and appeal to the Spirit as potentially subversive and in need of control. <laughs> interesting. Now, it makes sense organizationally. You know, organizationally, um, we love the authority of Scripture mm-hmm. because— uh, hey, was was Ryan's message last week, you know, heresy or not? Well, we can look up in Scripture and say, no, yeah, he's right. He was quoting this verse. Yeah, this is how we interpret this verse. That's right. Yeah. Our elders are they are they leading us uh, Christ-like or not? We can mm-hmm. look at the Scriptures. We have we have an, an, an authority we can point to. Yeah. But the Spirit is more personalized, is more individualized, is more you know um, case by case basis, and so it's it's much harder to bring under a, a qualitative authority or standard. Yeah. And so I see that as an organization of getting nervous about that. Mm-hmm. And so it's easier just to neglect it, just to shut it down, just to forget about it, mm-hmm. just to just to avoid, you know, talk of the Holy Spirit because it becomes difficult to manage. Mm-hmm. But that's wrong. Mm-hmm. And that was wrong of the church to do. And this this author, Danny Migliori, is, is, is expressing the same thing. That that routine neglect and suspicion of the work of the Holy Spirit has damaging effects on both the Christian life and Christian theology. Yeah, uh, he mentions here that when when the work of the Holy Spirit is forgotten or suppressed, the power of God is apt to be understood as distant, hierarchical, and coercive. Mm. And you know what? Reading that, I think any more charismatic listeners are going to agree with that. Yeah, that that when they think of a non-charismatic church, they're going to say, "Oh yeah, it's distant." 
Mm. It's hierarchical mm. and it's coercive. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I was trying to kind of make sense of all this. And, and what I realized is it kind of comes down to an answer of, of what the church does with the power of Christ, right? With the power of Christ, how is that exercised um, practically? Is it done through the structure of the church? Um, okay, we're going to have different programs or we're going to have different discipleship you know, classes and we're going to do all that. Or is the power of Christ experienced through the movement of the Holy Spirit on a personal basis? And that's what kind of ends up leading to the different expressions of charismatic church or not. Yeah. Um, no, neither one's right or, or wrong, but what's interesting is that in the modern charismatic churches, this hyper-focus, actually not even modern, it, it, it's, it, it's old as well, but this hyper-focus on the Holy Spirit comes out really as a protest to all the individuals who look at the church and say, it is cold, it is distant, yeah. it is, is too, you know, as I said, hierarchical, it's all about... Uh, the guy in the robe on the stage and, and his authority, not the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Mm-hmm. Um, not to mention, there's no church, no matter how good they are and how much program they have, that is able to speak to the individual personal crisis that each individual person is going through. Yeah. But the Holy Spirit can. Yeah, he's our guide. He's our guide. And mm-hmm. he is every individual person's guide. And, and so, you know, it's really realizing that the church hierarchy and the church structure and the church program is limited. Yeah. And so when we've gone generations of neglecting the Holy Spirit, at some point there's a protest Mm -hmm. in saying, I'm just going to double down on the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I'm going to run in to the deep end to where uh, everything is simply how the Spirit moves me. And maybe I'm not even as interested in looking and checking with, is this scriptural? Is this theological? Mm -hmm. What I know is I feel feel the Holy Spirit, and I'm just going to use my feeling in this circumstance mm-hmm. a, as a guiding authority. Yeah, I'm going to go where the Spirit leads. In mm-hmm. a way, um, yes, that that is scriptural. Paul went where the Spirit led to yeah. preach the gospel. Yep. Um, but yes, Chad, I think you're right. I think there it's a bit of a pushback in, in of um, feeling too controlled, too um, caged in in a way or too rigid. Um, But then on the other end, yes, I mean, you know this even when when it comes to like in your viewpoint or emotional, especially in like therapy, one of the most harmful things you can do for yourself is it's called to swing to the other side, right? Hmm, What do you mean? So um, uh, this is how things were. And when the blinders came off, now I'm going to go to the complete other side. Yes. And it becomes actually a little bit detrimental to you because there's got to be a pendulum essentially at rest, which is in the middle. There's a lot of gray. But now I went from this side to this side. Yeah. And I think that's what he's describing when he talks about protests. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was talking about the illustration to you earlier of like judging a, um, you know, m- maybe <laughs> poor parents, uh, poor parenting skills, mm-hmm. judging a misbehaving child. Mm-hmm. And you say, yeah, the kid's acting out, but look at the home he came from, mm-hmm. you know, and it, uh, maybe that was an, uh, a bit um, insulting of an illustration to the charismatic church. I guess what I'm saying, though, is that part of the charismatic movements mm-hmm. uh, running into this purely emotion-led mm-hmm. form of, of, of faith is mm-hmm. because of the historic church's 
coldness. Yeah. And lack of personal per, personalized faith. Yeah, and, and a judgment too as judgment well. Judgment for sure. And um, you know, but but when when that push, you know, and that and the running to the other direction, um, there there is a bit of like, um, yes, I'm I'm emotionally affected by that. I feel that something's not being is being done that shouldn't be done as far as like quelching the spirit they'd say um or minimizing the spirit and so um i'll run hard this way but also yeah. um s- some guidelines are being left behind some s- some of that and so you know when i look at that you know i i see that there is this big push to go but sometimes it can uh go go in a direction that uh, yeah might not be so so helpful Absolutely. And guidelines is a good word. And, and I, I think I want to come back to that in, mm-hmm. in a second um, to discuss what are some of the, the guidelines when it comes to um, expression and, and participating in the spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of this story I heard a pastor share one time that um, they the church they grew up in, mm-hmm. they said there was a family that was visiting. Mm-hmm. Now, that's also a funny thing is um, there are families that when they go on vacation, they go to the local church. Yeah. And... Um, I, I was, wasn't was raised in one of those, but when I heard that, I thought, that's crazy. You're in Hawaii for six days, and one of those days you're going to go— It's Sunday. You're going to go find a church? Oh, okay. But uh, no, but, but I heard this pastor in the story that in his church he grew up in, he said there was a, a family who was visiting, and they joined the church service. Mm-hmm. And halfway through the worship service, the dad of the family put up one hand in the air. Mm-hmm. Following that service, the board had an emergency meeting to decide what to do about it. <laughs> Now, that makes sense, because if you grew up yeah. in that kind of a church and you're saying, you know, gosh, the spirit is alive in me and, and I, I feel joy, I feel passion. I want mm-hmm. to I want to 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 express that. But you grew up in that rigid, cold, depersonalized of a church. Yeah. Well, then you are going to flee and you're going to find the church where, where you are free to express yourself fully. And then what you're going to do, and this is what we were talking about today, yeah. is you're going to turn around. You're going to point to that church that you grew up in and say, there's no Holy Spirit there. Mm-hmm. That spirit is dead. Yeah. And both of those statements are overreaches. For sure. And and all it does is widen the gap uh, of the body and its ability to work together to accomplish the ultimate goal is preaching the gospel mm-hmm. and bringing the light of Christ into people's life. Yeah. That's the central piece of what all of us are about. Yeah. And we it, it, it is more effective when we can do that together. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's funny as we do this with other cultures. I mean, uh, if you go to a predominantly African American gospel church, whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. There's people dancing in the aisles, mm-hmm. and you don't say, "Well, they're theologically incorrect." Yeah. Or, no. or wow, this has a, a you know potential to get out of hand. Mm-hmm. What do you say? Oh, it's it's a cultural it's, ex- church experience, yeah. It's different. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's just it's it's different. They do this different than I do this, mm-hmm. a- and you, you don't think it's wrong, and you don't think that what you do at home is wrong. It's just it's different, and mm-hmm. and some people are going to be wanting to worship more expressively and and pursue the spiritual gifts, which we'll get into in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one thing we can stop right here and say. Is I think church, and, and you know, we are speaking to Soundhouse Church specifically. So Soundhouse yes. Church, let's make this agreement. If you are not charismatic, we need to stop pointing to the charismatic churches and saying they're crazy. Yes. And if you are charismatic, you need to stop pointing to the non-charismatic churches and saying you're dead yeah, spiritually. For sure. I, 
that points back to our, you know, value of unity over correctness. But um, that's the issue. I think the number one issue that you and I have with this topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've even, while I've worked for charismatic churches who were probably a little bit more structured in their in their charismatic practices, even said, you know, I even heard, I heard this at a, a, a staff meeting one time and they just said, you know, but we also have to realize we can't look at those who don't practice how we do. And maybe it feels off the rails a little bit. And this is the phrase. I wouldn't use this phrase, but it was I, I laughed when he said it. And the pastor said, you know, those are just our crazy cousins. And <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, even just the approach within the charismatic church, who's more structured, maybe mm-hmm. around their mm-hmm. practices going, we're still not going to, you know, divide ourselves even from those who are even further than what we would say is a, is a healthier practice. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let me do one little little educational piece. And then I want to bring this back to an illustration that, that you uh, brought up to me that I think was just beautiful. But um, scripturally and theologically, the Holy Spirit serves and works in six primary ways. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to lay this out because I think this was, for me, the most liberating of oppressive folk theology. Mm-hmm. You know, folk theology, once again, just being something that's just common common, you know, theology of the people that as it spreads, um, it can kind of feel like that's actually what's correct. But that's where we do come back to scripture. So we do come back to theology and say, no, this is what we do know is, is true. So um, here are six ways that the Holy Spirit works. It's important that we hold this. And that way, uh, if you hear that comment of, oh, you are spiritually dead because you're not speaking in tongues. You could say, no, I know how the Holy Spirit works mm-hmm. and I see it in my life. Mm-hmm. So here, here's six ways. First, the work of the Spirit is representative. It is by the power of the Spirit that Christ is made present to believers. By representing Christ, by bringing Christ into the present, the Spirit spans the gap between the then and there and the here and now. Mm. Right? We read a book of something that happened 2,000 years ago. Yeah. And yet Christ is real and present and here with me now, alive in me now. Yes. That is by the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. That is, that is you know, one aspect of what the Holy Spirit does. Um, second, the, the second aspect of the work of the Spirit is the creation of new life. According to John's theology, the scripture, uh, sorry, the, the Spirit is the agent of our second birth. Just as we are born from our natural mother's womb and in our first birth, so we must be born anew by the power of the Spirit. Yes. Your conversion moment, right? There's this, um, this phrase called provenient grace, which is that before you are able to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is already working on your heart, prepping your heart, softening mm-hmm. your heart to make that response. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an undercover agent that's in there, right? <laughs> Just prepping the landing. Yeah. And uh, and we understand that the work of the Holy Spirit is, is in your conversion moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see that there. Uh, another aspect of the Holy Spirit is liberative, that the Spirit frees us to take on the mind of Christ, to live according to the law of Christ. Yeah. Um, it frees us to be able to say no to sin. Correct. No, I know that's a difficult one because, you know, um, not me, but I know other people who have accepted Christ and still have sin. And um, <laughs> No, because you're Chad. No, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, right, but but that's a reality is you accept Christ and you tell yourself, you know, great, I'm never going to sin again. And then you're like, <laughs> well, why is it I'm still dealing with that? Yeah. However, this is kind of a piece of sanctification uh, of becoming more like Christ ourselves is that as we turn around and look, we say, okay, 
where have I seen victory over sin in my life? For sure. Yeah. Sanctification is a powerful testimony to the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in someone's life. It's a powerful testimony. Yeah, I would describe sanctification as the primary work of the Holy Spirit. And it's kind of captured so. in a couple of these six. Yeah. Um, that one and then and then number five that we'll get into. But but yeah, once again, sanctification, just the Holy Spirit transforming your heart mm-hmm. to look more and more like Jesus's heart every mm-hmm. day, that you more naturally love, yeah. you more naturally forgive, that you more naturally desire the things of God's kingdom over the things of this earthly kingdom. Mm-hmm. That is that is the, the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> summed up in, in, in as few words as possible. Mm-hmm. Right, number four here. Um, another aspect of the work of the Holy Spirit is the communal. So this is kind of pretty, pretty, pretty beautiful here. The, the spirit of the power who unites us to Christ and to each other. This has also been called the incorporative work of the Spirit. Through the agency of the Spirit, believers are caught up, as it were, in the life of the Godhead, incorporated through the activity of the Spirit into the Son, given there the firm and assured status of children of God by adoption, mm. enabled to join the Son's ceaseless prayer of Abba to the Father. Mm. That This is the family of Christ. That is the Holy Spirit. It, it is that it lives in all of us that yeah. we are, are a part of something together. Making up the body of Christ is by the work of the Spirit. Yeah. Number five here. Um, another great uh, importance is this promise. The spirit at work in the Christian community is said to be the first fruits or another metaphor, the first installment or guarantee of the future that God is bringing as the power of God's promised future. The spirit awakens hope, yearning and restlessness for the completion of God's redemptive work and the establishment of justice and peace throughout our creation. This is another half, I'd say, of that, that sanctification, like, like uh, point number yeah. number three was, is that we begin to desire the things of God's kingdom more. Um, and, and that is a taste of, of our salvation. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, think too many Christians think of the word salvation as the destination, uh, but Christians... Biblically, theologically, we are living our salvation now Mm -hmm. here on this earth as we are living by the standards and customs of God's kingdom amongst this own. Um, I thought this was was, was great here. Where there is no vision or hope, no discontent or protest against the uh, present injustice and evil, there is assuredly no presence of the Spirit in the biblical understanding of this term. Mm -hmm. Right? Where, Where Christians are able to look with apathy and indifference at, at injustice and evil around them, mm-hmm. th- this theology is saying that is evident that that person does not have the Holy Spirit in them. Mm-hmm. And not speaking in tongues, mm-hmm. not not being able to prophesy, but is this, this evidence, this sanctification in your heart, that work's being done, is mm-hmm. what do you feel naturally when you see injustice and, and abuse and evil going on around you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. La- oh, sorry. I was, I was going to say, uh, Paul addresses those and puts um, some of the overemphasis of spiritual gifts, like when he says, you know, I, I speak in tongues more than all of you, but mm. uh, that's being highlighted more than the main uh, uh, work of the Holy Spirit, which is uh, a loving heart, yeah. an eye for the other, and the spreading of the gospel. Yeah, and I think that it comes down to, you know, really those last two uh, right there. We'll, then we'll get to number six in a second, but. Number five was was this um, 
you know, cultivating a heart for the things of God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. And number four was that that community aspect. I think that's what's personally, I don't speak from the church, speak from me. That's what's personally most hurtful when I've heard that mm-hmm. is when it's someone who's leaving our church because they say the spirit's dead there to go to somewhere else where, you know, um, where there's speaking in tongues and service and stuff like that is, man, y- you are looking at the sanctifications happening. I mean, there's individuals I can think of who five years ago were different people mm-hmm. and who are more loving now yeah. and, and who every Sunday are experiencing the community that comes from being a part of the body of Christ. And, and when someone's leaving because they say the Spirit's dead there, I'm saying, wow, you're looking at a community of people who are learning to love each other and yeah. saying there's nothing here. Mm-hmm. And learning to love outside outsiders of the church, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and that's just what breaks my heart is when you see that, it's like you are looking at it. You're looking at people who are aspiring to love like Jesus mm-hmm. and to live life together in that way, and you're saying, I see nothing here. Yeah, I'm going to go where where something is more spectacular or what, you know, and, and that just breaks my heart because, um, yeah. man, you're looking at the work of the Spirit and you just don't even realize it. It might be a miscategorizing of the uh, pri- priority of the Holy Spirit. I and think so. so it's like... Yeah, I mean, if you only see the Holy Spirit in gifts, then you'll be missing his main work happening so. right in front of you. So let me finish this list. These are six works of the Holy Spirit. We've read five so far. Mm-hmm. Here's number six. A further comment should be made about the gifts or charismata of the Spirit. According to the biblical witness, there are many diverse gifts of the Spirit, and each should be uh, respected. In celebrating the diversity of the spiritual gifts, we recognize our mutual dependence and encourage mutual support. As the Apostle Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians 12 through 17, however, the most important gifts are not the sensational ones, such as speaking in tongues, Mm -hmm. but the gifts of faith, hope, and above all love. That 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 little phrase there, right, where Paul says, you know, the greatest gifts of faith, hope, and love. Mm -hmm. That's at the end of his teaching on the spiritual gifts. Yes. That these are 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 first most. These are the highest. These are the most valued, but they're not as magical to watch. Yeah. Well, and he finishes as well. Paul does not want to outlaw speaking in tongues within the Christian community. It is clear that neither he nor any other New Testament witness. Let me say this again. It is clear that neither Paul nor any other New Testament witness consider the phenomenon uh, of speaking in tongues and the more sensational spiritual gifts to be crucial. For Christian spirituality, the primary criterion for the life in the spirit is an unconditional love of God and the correlative love of others, especially those who are communally considered strangers or even enemies. Such love is motivated by God's love for sinners and the poor in Christ. We should not denigrate any of the various gifts of the spirit. Okay, Mm -hmm. non-charismatic church, we should not be denigrating them. We should not be putting them down. They deserve to be respected, to be learned. Yet the Spirit gives to members of the church. um, Sorry, let me say that again. We should not denigrate any of the various gifts of the Spirit that the Spirit has given to members of the church. But we should test their authenticity by the criterion of whether they serve the common good rather than promoting division and contention in the community. Mm. A true gift of the Spirit builds up the community and and contributes to the common good rather than only serving in the self-grand, self-aggrandizement of a few. Hmm. That, that's how we feel. It, mm-hmm. you know, and it's funny. Um, 
I could see myself falling into the pattern that we talked about earlier of the neglect because I could, I could get so upset or turned off by these, by these comments people would make of oh, the spirits dead there. I'm going to go somewhere where, where we're all, you know, speaking in tongues. I get so turned off that, by that, that, that I just say, I want nothing to do with speaking in tongues. Yeah. And what I'm saying here is no, that is one of the gifts of the spirit. That yeah. is one of the ways that the Holy spirit works. So I need to find room to respect it and mm-hmm. to acknowledge it and to, uh, you know, um, support those who are participating in it. Mm-hmm. However, I also have to hold it in priorities. I also have to hold it in, in scale with the other works of the Spirit. Yeah. And not only divine, define the Holy Spirit by whether someone's speaking in tongues or prophesying. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's... I love uh, those um, six criteria. Mm-hmm. I, I love especially the last one. That last final encouragement to kind of like hold both well. And, does it and build up the community or does it build up the individual? Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, that's something that is important that we test it, we weigh it. I and mean, especially which we've been given scripture to do that. Yeah. Um, which is, which is um, very, very important for us to do, especially in spiritual practice, is that is the, does this build up the church? Does it... Is it in line with Scripture, and is this ultimately leading to sanctification and change in my own life? And then also, um, is it promoting the gospel? I think so. Ryan, you used a word earlier uh, of guidelines. Yeah. And previously, before we started recording, you and I were talking, and uh, you know, it's funny we do that every week. We start talking, and halfway through our conversation, I'm like, "Whoa, wait! This is what we need to be doing. <laughs> we need to press yeah. record first. Yeah, sure. um, but you you gave an imagery that I just thought was so powerful mm-hmm. and useful. Would you mind going into that a bit? Yeah, and, and I, I obviously can't take credit for this. I heard it from a a leader in a denomination that was not charismatic practicing at all, but going, hey, maybe we're too rigid. Mm. We, we need a good, to t- a good thing to self-critique. And I thought wonder. so. And I, I was literally blown away because I wasn't expecting that. Um, and then and then hearing a, a, an analogy they gave that them as a denomination um, are, are wanting to pursue their, um, I guess, investigation or a process of incorporating spir- spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit in their denomination. And here's what they said. They said that we want to, when we look at spiritual gifts or the Holy Spirit or the work of the Holy Spirit or manifestations of the Holy Spirit, that they are like, um, we see it as like, uh, it needs a structure, like a lattice, essentially they said, and that would be, now, st- what is a lattice? Cause I actually, I learned about that just a couple months ago. Yeah. So I think for, we could say pergola as well. Um, oh, that's not helping. Okay. Uh, it, it basically an outdoor structure that allows, um, provides, uh, the space and the spacing for, I would say, flowered vines to grow or any kind of like, um, you know. It's that like grid of little tat- wood sticks, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, that you see vines growing up. Correct. And okay. it, it, it's it's something to attach to, essentially. And so I like that example because then, yeah, that makes total sense. Like scripture provides this strength structure and when I say guidelines um, that are very clear in scripture Um, and then the mystical part is there are these um, beautiful things that are outgrowths of that structure that the Holy Spirit does Um, and but also uh, that that it provides such a structure it also gives a structure for spiritual leaders 
church leaders to go, we want to encourage that growth. It supports scripture and the direction of scripture. Um, but when we see a, a practice growing off of the structure, mm -hmm. the church leaders job I would say call is to go that is now leaving the mm. structure of scripture and it's going in a direction that scripture doesn't lend its support to hmm. and to then what we would do within our church is to then caution that practice try to you know um, understand but also reground it to scripture if not we prune it mm -hmm. and that's just the harsh reality yeah. to f to protect our church um, in a way that we don't want unhealthy things that are growing that the on uh, growing off that scripture does not support yeah you know earlier we asked this question of um, how is the power of Christ exercised mm -hmm. and is it exercised through the functions of the church or is it exercised through the movement of the Holy Spirit and I like this illustration so much the lattice and, and the mm -hmm. flowering vine. Mm -hmm. Because the structure of the church is really good at making sure that nothing is heretical. Mm -hmm. That is all accurate teaching to the best of our ability. Mm -hmm. But it's also rigid. We talked about <laughs> yeah. catechism uh, one or two podcasts ago. Yeah. That's a perfect example. Yeah. That is going to be grounded. But uh, sure doesn't feel personal. Doesn't feel <laughs> inspiring. Doesn't feel liberating. You know, doesn't. And so I think it's creating room for both of those. Yeah. Is We don't want a church that's all lattice because we say well it's grounded and structural you do need the expression of mm -hmm. of the spirit the expression of mysticism and things that we can't maybe fully understand to say you know For what sure. we worship a, a mysterious god yeah who's bigger than my understanding and, and i have to have room for that and yet when we hear something that says "Ooh, that doesn't sound in line you know his best phrase is does this sound like jesus yeah you know when someone is pursuing something or doing something which, which as he said the theologian there that, that leads to self-aggrandizement you know building the, the, themselves up you're able to kind of say like that doesn't sound like jesus for sure and you know it's it is i, I can give a, a lot of examples of which we would say if if not if it didn't heed the caution we would prune it i, I have a lot of examples like that would but, you this is the podcast. This is not on stage. That's our whole point. Yeah. Would you be willing to, to give an example or two? For sure. Uh, if there was a practice of, um, now a lot of people will not know this term, um, but uh, of, of someone saying, listen, we're not seeing the spirit move. And what we need to do is for people to experience God in a greater way. There's something called a fire tunnel. Now you're just going to, I'm going, what? Exactly. Okay. So, um, and nothing, you know what? Is that kind of like at the end of a soccer game? <laughs> it is after my kids' game. We're putting our hands together. Okay. But what it I've is. I've been a part of one of those. Is uh, as someone will go through the fire tunnel and people are praying in, in tongues and and um, lot, I've, I've, I've seen them personally. I've, I've personally been there. Um, not in one, but observing. Um, then, you know, someone comes through and by the time they're done with it, they will have be completely what would be called drunk in the spirit. And then there's convulsions and things that happen. And I would say if that was someone saying this needs to happen because it supercharges a person's spirituality mm. and people can watch this happen and see that the spirit is moving, um, I would say uh, after caution and they said, no, we, we think this is the right thing to do. I would say, OK, we're going to prune that then. We're not. Well, and that's a good example, because if someone said they had an experience like that, it is not our place to say, well, then that was wrong. No. 
Who are we to judge how mm-hmm. the spirit moves? Mm-hmm. So, so that's a good example where we have to respect that, not call that crazy, say, mm-hmm. wow, that's not how I've experienced the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I've got these six <laughs> ways that I see the Holy Spirit working and I do see him working on my heart. I do see, um, you know, an affinity with other believers where I feel close with them. I see the Holy Spirit working in me, yeah. but I don't see it that way. But hey, good for you. Exactly. But if that person turned around and say, no, you need this too. Mm-hmm. Everyone needs this or else they're not experiencing the spirit. Yeah. That's when... The for sure, it, the, the the church that was, um, you know, in, endorsing that, well, um, that's their church leadership's decision. They were they were still gospel centered. They were still moving forward, preaching the gospel. And those were things that we would say as church leadership have decided that don't that, that have that, that don't have the support. We see the lattice supports yeah. it at. And so it needs to be it wouldn't it wouldn't go in our church. I'll just say that. Take the example of a. Um the televangelist charismatic churches, right? Where it's, Hey, if you send this money, I will send a piece of cloth that's been blessed back. Right. Like that's pretty easy yeah. to look at scripture and say, Hey, when, when did Jesus start selling paraphernalia yeah. and calling it holy? Yeah. Uh, never. That's pretty easy to say, Oh, that vine dropped a little low. I'm going to prune that. <laughs> even, even I think it was an ax at some point where Peter's shadow would pass by Mm. Right. And yeah, people experienced it. But the disciples weren't behind them going, hey, by the way, that's going to cost you X, Y, Z for yep. that shadow. Yep. Right. So <laughs> that's another good example. That was the spirit of God moving through Peter in that situation. Mm-hmm. That wasn't Peter saying, hey, we all need to go out. Uh, later in the afternoon, because that's when there's the most shadow time. And we all, you know what I mean? Like, don't go out at noon. Then they'd have to be standing. You have to walk on them if you go out at noon, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's, I think, um, a, a bit of an example of that. But yeah, hey, this is um, interesting stuff. We're, we're we're starting to get a little long here, so we're gonna start yeah. to wrap it up. But we are gonna spend these next couple weeks examining each one of these individual practices. Um, and as we do so, we mm-hmm. are going to maintain this this agreement, church. Uh, if you find yourself to be charismatic, you have to commit to say, I'm not gonna hear them and say, well, the spirit's dead there. Yeah. We just defined how the spirit moves. That is enough evidence for me to say the spirit is alive in me and alive yeah. in Santa's church. It, but right. also non-charismatic people, as we hear these, we can't mm-hmm. say, well, that's just crazy. Yeah. And absolutely, Chad, we know our church pretty well. Mm-hmm. We have almost every denomination represented in our church yeah. background. We have charismatics in our church and um, and we have people from all different walks of life new to faith. Yeah. Uh, I'm so proud of that because mm-hmm. um, the charismatic can go, I feel very comfortable here. I love it. The non-charismatic can say, I really love what's going on here. I feel very comfortable here. I love that the Birmingham's always would still say that they're Catholic. For sure. And and, and I, I love that. It's yeah. like, yeah, that is their tradition. That's yeah. where they were raised. They happen to like the community, and so they're coming to Soundhouse Church, and, mm-hmm. but, but they still identify that. I thought that was beautiful. And, gosh, talk about number four of those six things the Holy Spirit, that gives even more credit to the Spirit's ability to create unity and affinity with other believers, even ones that, that are so different. Yes, for sure. And every it, it needs a, a lot of like acceptance, openness, caution, and, uh, and understanding. And so that's what we're hoping to do through this series. And I think people who ask a lot of questions of like, um, how come I don't see these things so much today in my regular life? Or where did this come from historically? Or is this a practice that, um, you know, I should do because someone's telling me or, 
I think we're going to get into a lot of these things. It'll be very helpful for people just to understand. I think so. Hey, uh, as we wrap up, one last thing I'd like to say is, you know, when we preach a message on Sunday, we mm-hmm. get to talk to people after. Yeah. Now, um, Taylor, uh, who, who is our communication person, as well as like everything, she just told us today, you know, like about, you know, we've actually had a decent amount of people listening to this, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yeah. But we would love to hear from you and not a, hey, kudos, good job. We would love to hear how maybe you respond to some of these episodes. Um, yeah. If you have further questions you'd like us to, to answer, we'd yeah. love to get some ideas on topics. Um, if you have questions, if you want uh, whatever, please, please, this is for Soundhouse Church. We would love to, to have this be a way that we connect and not just another way that Ryan and I get to talk. Because, you know, you give Ryan and I a mic, we'll talk. <laughs> uh, we will. Um, so, yeah, it, and like Chad said, that this podcast is for you and, your, and, and spiritual growth. We're having a discussion about spiritual growth, uh, growth, and I think that that's important for us to have. And so, yeah, we would love to hear from you. And thank you so much for taking time to listen to um, this podcast. Soundhouse Church, we love you. We miss you. And we'll see you soon.